we've kind of done things different this summer and had some nights where we just had fellowship and things like that. And I don't think I've opened it up for testimonies very often this summer. And so if anybody would like to testify, I'd be glad to hear it tonight. <clears throat> or if not, I can just get started either way. But I'd open it up if somebody wanted to testify this evening. Oh, I understand. God's not doing anything, so not working. All right. Okay, turn to Matthew chapter 6. Again, I'm going to be, be talking about uh, this, this week in our, in our Thrive series was Thriving in Marriage. And so uh, I want us to read this last part of chapter 6. So let's all stand in honor of God's Word. And this is talking about what are are you going to give your life to? And uh, so I want to read this. We're going to begin reading with verse 25. Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not your life more important than food, and the body more important than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Who of you, by worry, can add a single hour to his life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the lilies of the field grow? They do not labor or spin, yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field... Which is here today and here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire. Will he not much more clothe you? O you of little faith, do not worry, do not, so do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. And this is, I know this is what we talk about a lot, but I want you to listen to this. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. All right, let's pray this evening. Father, I pray that this evening, that as we look at this familiar scripture, I pray that we, as people who are married, would seek to have our hearts united in this endeavor to be about your mission. And Father, I pray that in the next moments that you would just open up our hearts and help us to hear. And Father, draw us together. Help us to to work together for your kingdom and your righteousness and the things that you're interested in. And Father, I pray that you would have this heavy way in this evening. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I was trying to think about what is it that messes up a lot of marriages... And usually it is, we get sidetracked along the way. We, we get interested in something that we shouldn't get interested in, or, or maybe sometimes we get interested in good things, and then we just get farther and farther away till we forget what uh, we're supposed to be about. We mer- worry more about what people think than about the mission of God. And I think people have all sorts of things... That, they take, that can take their mind off 
the mission of God. And, I, and tonight I want us to concentrate on, is my marriage, is me and my spouse, or me and my spouse, concentrating on the mission of God? I, uh, from time to time, go over and see Mark Young, and I go see Joe in his office, Joe Freeman, and they're both insurance guys. And I'll be sitting there talking to him, and the phone rings all the time. And I think this is probably true, Mark, because I've, I've asked Joe, and he says it is. But you'll be headed one way, and you've got something going, and then someone calls you, and you've got to go do something else, and you've got to go do something else. And, they, and, and Joe said, you know, if I, could just, if I could just not get sidetracked, I'd get a lot more work done. But you know how it is. You, you've, you've got something going, and you're headed in the right direction, and and then somebody asks you to do something, and then you, you get off here, and then while you're there, someone asks you to do something else, and pretty soon you're a long way away from the thing that you was trying to do in the first place. And, and Satan wants, I don't, I don't think he cares what he does to your marriage. He is just as satisfied if you're sidetracked as if he can get you into deep, dark sin. He just wants you not concentrating on the things that God has for you. He wants you to get involved in so many things that you can't remember what you're supposed to be about. And what we're supposed to be about is the mission. And we talked this morning about what the mission is. And and the mission is to image God. and, and, And the reason we want to image God is so that people would see who God is and that so that we could make disciples who follow him. That is the mission, to image God and to make disciples. It's kind of all the same thing. So how, is, how do I stay focused on that when there's so much other things that, that are somewhat important in life to do? So I have some reasons here tonight for us to stay involved in the mission. I have some reasons here for us to, uh, to uh, keep our marriage in, uh, focused on making disciples and winning against Satan. And so here's some, of the, here's some of the reasons. The first reason is Jesus commanded it. Jesus commanded for us to go out and make disciples. It's really the last thing that he said in the New Testament. And so God has a plan. He has joined us together. And we're still talking about married people tonight. He's joined us together to image him. And he calls us, he calls all of his followers... But he, he calls us specifically to do some imaging. And so Jesus commanded us to go and make disciples. So it must be important. And so that is one of the reasons that we should uh, keep, this, keep the mission in front of us at all time. The second reason is Jesus is where the battle is. I don't know if you remember, but a few, well, I guess it's just been probably a year ago, Mark Bain came and he had that video of the, of the people that were out drowning. And the other people would get up on the dock and they were saved and they were safe. And they would be worshiping where they thought Jesus was. And Jesus was out in the water trying to drag people in. And I think lots of times we get saved and then we want to be in this safe place. And the truth of the matter is, if we want to be with Jesus, Jesus is among the lost trying to drag them in. Okay? And we say, well, I want to be where Jesus is. Jesus is not on the bank. Jesus is out in the middle of the battlefield. I was, I was reading uh, in the Old Testament, in Daniel chapter 3, it talks about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, 
And where was Jesus in that story? Jesus was in the furnace. He was in the middle of where everything was the hottest. He was in the middle of the trouble. He was in the middle. And if Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had said, hey, you know, I, that's just too hard. I don't, I don't want to be part of this. They would have missed out where Jesus was. And I know that, that sometimes being in the midst of the battle, being in the midst of the mission is not always fun or easy. Actually, it's sometimes hard and it's not fun at all. When you deal with people who don't want to know who Jesus is and don't want to deal with, with Jesus and don't want to deal with the questions of life, sometimes they'll push you off and they don't want anything to do with you. But the Word says every time that we see Jesus, he is in the midst of the battle. And so if we're going to be close to where Jesus is, then we have to be in the battle. And, and we need to be in the battle. The church, the, the, the word is called us as the church to be in the battle. And everyone wants the church to cow down to society and not fight and not say what Jesus says. But Jesus is always in the fight. Jesus is always in the fight. Uh, me and David Day was talking about this lady down there in, in Kentucky. And I don't know what, I mean, I agree with her. I don't think she should give uh, should give out licenses. I don't know. I don't know what. I I don't know where you stand on that or anything like that. But she is in the middle of the battle, and and whatever is happening, Jesus is there, and he is being talked about, and 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 things about religion are being talked about because she's in the battle. And so anyway, uh, when, when we need to be in the battle, we need to start living for Jesus, and Jesus is always in the battlefield. Uh, and the truth is, we just don't want to go to battle. I mean, we just, it's, it's, it's more fun not to be in the battle. I mean, no, one's, no one wants to sign up and get in the battle. But that's where he is. And so we are called to do that. And we're to battle for our, our kids and to battle for our marriages. And, uh, and God has called us this. Uh, called us to this. The third reason is that people are dying. We need to focus on God's mission of making disciples because people are dying. Uh, 155,000 people die every day. And most of them are going to hell. Most of them are going to hell. And we need to ask ourselves, what am I doing about this? What has God called me to do? I can't save, save everyone but I could help some. And I started thinking about this, and you'll probably think this is stupid, and that's okay. But imagine if James Greer had a dump truck, and he drives a dump truck. Is James here? He was here. I didn't think. Maybe he's not here. James Greer has a dump truck. And imagine James Greer's dump truck is full of $100 bills. And he comes to your driveway and dumps all those $100 bills in your driveway. And he says, you can keep every bit of the $100 bills that you can find that you can carry off in 10 minutes. Well, there's nobody here that would say, well, you know, I can't get that whole dump truck load in 10 minutes. I can't, there's no way that I can get that whole dump truck load in 10 minutes. So I'm just not going to try to get any at all. You wouldn't do that. You would get every one that you could, even though you know good and well, you're not going to get the whole dump truck load. 
You would get all you could in the time that you had to get it. And God has called us, and I think sometimes we look, and I know this, this happens to me, I look at the world and I think, man, this place is gone. There's just no hope. But the truth of the matter is, we can do what we can do. We can do what God has empowered us to do, and we need to do that. And we need to do all that we can while we're here in the time that we have. We can't save everyone, but we can save the ones that we can. And so I I would encourage us, because Jesus has told us that, that men are dying and, that, and that what his mission is, we need to work at it as hard as we can. And people are worth more than a dump truck load full of money. And so we need, we need to work on that. Can we save everyone? No. But we can do something to find someone and share God with them. We need to do something. I read in a book, and I was going to read, I read the portion of it to you, but I, I forgot to bring the book up here with me. But in this book, he was talking about a church that was in Germany. And every week on Sunday morning, a train would come by and it was filled with Jews. And the Jews were going to the gas chamber. And they said they would be in there on Sunday morning and they'd be singing and said they could hear that train coming down the track. And this church was right by the tracks. And said as they would hear that train coming, they would start to sing. And said the, said the closer it would get, said they could hear the Jews screaming for help. And said they would just sing louder and louder and louder to where they were singing so loud that they couldn't hear the Jews anymore. And the Jews would come by and they would get out of them and they wouldn't hear them anymore. And then they would stop. And they said they just did nothing and he said every day the guy that wrote it said every day of my life he said i can hear the screams of those people and he said we sat in church and sang our songs and did nothing church god has called us there are people that are dying just like those trainfuls of jews and god has called us to do something And you say, well, pastor, what am I supposed to do? I don't know what God has for you to do. But when we're talking about this, get with your mate, get with your family, and get on your knees and say, God, what is my part in the mission? God has a place for each one of you. God has a design for each one of you. And God seeks for you to do that. The fourth reason that he seeks for you to do that is that that's what you were created for. You were created to be holy, to live holy lives, and to love one another. That's what you were designed to do. Now, the sin nature comes in and corrupts that and and convinces us that that's too hard and that it costs too much. But each of us has a purpose to live a holy life and to love God and love each other. That's what God made us for. That's how God, God made us. But I think we let Satan talk us into, uh, because I don't have the gifts that so-and-so has, or uh, I can't sing like uh, uh, Grace Ivy and Lindsay, then, I, then I'm not going to do anything. Well, that's not the way that we're supposed to be. We don't, none of us have the same gifts that other people have. You've got your gifts, and I have my gifts. And God has called each one of us with our gifts to do his worth to do his work, 
And sometimes I think we think, well, because I can't preach or sing or teach or whatever, but you can worship and you can pray and you can speak when God tells you to and you can live a holy life in front of your friends and the people that you work with and you can be involved, find whatever it is that you were created to do and do it. Don't do what you want to do. Do what God has designed you to do. The third thing is, well, I think it's more than three. I think it's actually six things. Sixth thing is, remember that God's mission is bigger than your life. I think uh, God seeks to have our, he talks about it here really. He says, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these other things. He's, He's saying, give me your undivided attention My mission is bigger and more important than your life. I I think that uh, sometimes we we get so involved in marriage and family that even marriage and family can distract us from what God has for us. I think I think people would I think uh, Satan would use marriage and family to distract us. The truth of the matter is, we have to first be centered on God's mission. And marriage and family flows out of that then. Uh, I want to read I want to read first Corinthians first Corinthians seven thirty five. I am saying, he he goes about and says all this about husbands and wives. He says, I am saying this for your own good, not to restrict you, but that you may live in a right way in undivided devotion to the Lord. God has called us to this undivided devotion to the Lord. We are to be undivided in our devotion. So if I am married... What happens when, the, when, when we get married? The two becomes one. So why do we talk, you know, we talk about that when you need to marry a person that is sold out to the Lord and, and another sold out person to the Lord gets married and then they join together and they become one. God has called for me and Cindy together for our devotion to be not first to each other, but our devotion is first undivided to him and then everything else falls out of that. The two become one. But first, we have to be devoted to God before we're devoted to each other, before we're devoted to anything else. And I think too often we think marriage is about us and our needs and our kids and our family. And all those things are important, but God has to be first all the time. And I think sometimes we're, we're tempted to enjoy the good things of marriage more than we are the things of God. To enjoy the things that family has before we enjoy the things that God has. And we can end up seeking to please each other, end up seeking to please our family before God. And we have to seek, God seeks for us to seek him first. And if we're both seeking to please him first, then that will unite us, okay? And, and bring us together. That, that, that brings us into a like mind. This week, I want you to sit down with your spouse, and I want you to look honestly 
at your life. We've talked about, I've got you some, some cards. And first I want, to ask, I want you to ask the question, are you devoted to the mission that God has given you? Could you and your spouse agree that we both are, in, are, are devoted to God's plans or are we devoted to our own plans and our own desires? And these are hard questions But in order for us to thrive and to do the hard work that God has for us, we have to ask hard questions. People that accomplish great things do do so through hard work, through prioritization and sacrifice, and we have to do the same. Look at your life and ask yourself, what parts of my life are supporting God's mission to make disciples and see where you're doing good and celebrate those things, but you also need to look at the parts of your life that are not doing anything for the kingdom. And when I ask you to ask what you need to do away with, this is, this is what I'm saying. There may be some things in your life that you say, these things are not accomplishing anything for the kingdom. And I may need to get rid of those things. And you say, well, pastor, what are those things? I don't have any idea. I don't know what those will be for your life. I don't know what those will be for my life. But we need to sit down and listen and, and become aware of them and be very honest. Is my marriage devoted first to God's mission? And ask yourself, who is a disciple because of me? If that is the mission that people would become disciples, ask yourself, who is a disciple of Christ because of our marriage. Because of my family, who is a disciple of Christ? Who, has become, who, who am I discipling? And who is in the kingdom because of, of my uh, uh, being involved in God's mission? And if you're not discipling someone, then you need to ask yourself, why? If that's the mission, if that's what God has... Why is, why is no one being discipled because of, because of, is it because I've got too many things going? Who, who would God have me disciple? I don't know if you've ever went to a, I went, I think, I think I've been to, is it one, I think I went to one Chiefs game with Cindy. And Cindy's a, a Chiefs fan, a big, uh, I almost said Colorado Chiefs, but that's not, Kansas City Chiefs, I get beat up for that. Kansas City Chiefs. And when you go to a Kansas City Chiefs game, I, I don't know if we'll ever go again because it's, it's kind of a sketchy thing. There's, I mean, it's just, it's just not a lot of good things go on there. And you have all kinds of people that come in through the doors from all walks of life. And there are the richy rich people that come in and then there are the poorest of the poor and there are civilized people and then there are some that by the end of the first quarter they're not but yet they're all in there together and when the chiefs score they all rise and they yeah yeah you know they're all united with one thing, from the smartest to the not-so-smart, from the richest to the not-so-rich, from the ones that have good sense to the ones who are not-so-good-sensed. 
They are all united in one thing, and what is that? They're for the chiefs, okay? And that thing, that, that the chiefs unites all of them, okay? God seeks in our marriage and in your marriage to him to, for him to be the thing that unites and brings you together. You may not agree about everything or everything the way things are supposed to go or anything like that. But on this one thing, when we speak of God, that should bring every marriage to where... And when you, when you are united, then you forget about the other things. When the chiefs score, you forget about the guy down here that's slopping beer all over everybody. Because you're, what you're united in is what's brought, drawing you together. And everyone in that stadium is united on this one thing. And God calls for us. And this, that may have been a bad, that may have been a bad one thing to, but it, I don't think so. God needs to be the thing that unites you. Not can we make more money, not can we be more successful, not can we become more popular, not can we whatever. But our marriages are, God calls us to be united in his mission. And you say, well, I've got other things I'm interested in. I understand that. But at the heart of who we are, if we're going to be what God has called us to be as a married couple, and if you're going to thrive as a married couple, you are going to have to thrive behind the mission of, that God seeks to win lost people and he wants to start within your home with your children and with the children that your children are with and the people that you know and and that's what he seeks to be his mission and that needs to be the thing that unites us and when we're united even on one thing then the other things kind of pale in comparison is your marriage united in your desire to make disciples Is your marriage united in your desire to image God so that others will know him? What does your life, what does your married life revolve around? Does it revolve around your work, your hobbies, your kids, your spouse, sports, whatever? We are to give our, it says literally here, our undivided attention to him. We are to give our attention and devotion to the worship of God and let that be what unites us together in marriage. And when we are united in our desire to fulfill God's mission, it also unites us with our spouse. You see, when we first love God, then it brings us together And then everything else flows out of that. And if you can unite on that, it will help you unite on every point in your marriage. I want your marriages to thrive and and I've I've kind of I've preached harsh to you today, but I think I think that's what God would have us to hear. We have to be husband and wife united in following Christ and that has to be the main thing above all other things in order for us to be the couples that God has called us to be in order for us to thrive let's stand and I'll pray for us Father we love you 
Thank you for your word. Father, I pray for our married couples in our church. And Father, I haven't meant to leave anybody out today, but this is what your word has placed upon our hearts, and we think this is what we're supposed to talk about today. So I pray today that you would be with our, our married couples. I pray that we would go home and talk about things and, and ask the hard questions. Are we really thriving? Or are we just going through and punching the clock every day and, and, and just living together and not thriving in God? And Father, I pray that this week we would ask questions that would, that would uh, challenge us and that, would, that your word would challenge our hearts to be what you've called us to be so that, so that we can thrive. Father, we love you, and we just ask that you would have your way and speak into our hearts in all things. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You are dismissed. Lord bless you.